You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio. You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio, your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews. The spider spinning his web for the unwary fly. The blood is the life, Mr. Redfield. The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome, foolish mortals, to Horror Hotel, a PoppyChuloRadio.com and iTunes exclusive PoppyChulo Radio pop culture on demand. I am your host and hotel owner, Jeffrey Aruz. We're so glad you could check in. We've been dying to have you. Here on Horror Hotel, we are going to explore some of Hollywood's scariest, most frightening, and creepiest films. Please welcome my co-hosts, Concierge, Supervisor, Legionnaire. Greetings, greetings. Night Auditor, Mark Estes. Welcome, Children of the Night. And Banquet Manager, Ramon Marquise. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Get ready. Before we head on over to the ballroom, let's stop by the front desk where one of our bellhops has a few special announcements. Good evening. We thank you for your patronage. Please step all the way in and make room for everyone. There's no turning back now. <laughs> I didn't mean to frighten you prematurely. The real chills come later. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash p c r horror hotel. Follow Pampichulo Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Pampichulo Radio. For more information on Horror Hotel, visit pampichuloradio.com slash horror hotel. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at panpichuloradio.com. Help support Panpichulo Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash panpichuloradio. Are you interested in joining the Panpichulo Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at panpichuloradio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Panpichulo Radio programs by visiting panpichuloradio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through iTunes, 
Just search for Panpichulo Radio's Horror Hotel and subscribe. Now, grab some popcorn and some snacks. You may step into the ballroom. It's time for your feature presentation. Thank you. It's time to fire up the film projector in our ballroom so that we can discuss 1931's Dracula. Here's the official synopsis of the film. The ancient vampire, Count Dracula, arrives in England and begins to prey upon the virtuous young Mina. Alright everybody, who has seen, or who has never seen, 1931's Dracula? And we'll start off with Mark. Have you ever seen this movie before? Yeah, I saw it a few times growing up. So this was like probably like the fifth, sixth time. Awesome. Ramon, what about you? I had. I had definitely seen it actually in school. Um, it had been a while, so certain aspects, it was kind of like a refreshing course, but yeah, I've seen it before. Oh, you had a fun school, seeing Dracula during the day? <laughs> yes. Legionnaire, what about you? Um, this is the first time that I actually watched the movie straight through. Okay. And Legionnaire has seen it more than I had because I had never seen Dracula. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I, I was the virgin. Sacrifice. <laughs> okay, so let's get into it. Let's talk about the cast. Uh, Count Dracula is played by Bella Lugosi, who is iconic, especially in... Um, sort of like the, the Universal Studios horror films. What do we think of Bela Lugosi as Count Dracula? He's everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, 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 mm. He's the, the quintessential. Uh -huh. I thought he gave Dracula some charm. Um, I thought he gave Dracula, you know, some variety with regards to his personality traits. The facial expressions was everything to me. Uh, yeah, I thought it was an exceptional Dracula. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think... No, it's no, like, no, no, no. Yeah, I like... Especially when like they close up on his face, and it's just, those eyes are just uh -huh. so... Even the, watching it from the TV screen, you kind of get hypnotized in them. Like, you never wanted to... Like, if you was... If your eyes were not focused on the screen, when his... Uh, at first, but then he close up on the screen and you can see the the the, the focal point on his eyes you're like oh god like yes oh, yeah. get all this nick get it <laughs> oh gosh that's too much i thought he was really good too like he was charming and there was almost like there was like a sex appeal to him that was really yeah. interesting uh like this was definitely like the the vampire that's like seductive and sexual and and that kind of thing especially for like 1931 like i thought he was immensely charming i agree with his eyes like especially when they do that effect with the lighting where um you know it's it's like the light is only on the eyes and like the rest is in shadows like i thought that was like really creepy and eerie and spooky yeah, he was awesome. What did we think of uh, Mina Seward, Helen Chandler as Mina? I liked her. I enjoyed yeah. her. 
Yeah, she was cute. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She made a nice, uh, nice damsel in distress. Yeah. Yeah. Several times in distress. For real. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, we needed, uh, she was almost like the Penelope Pit Stop. Help! <laughs> right. It's too much at times. Let's talk about Renfield. What do we think of Renfield? Because we saw Renfield prior to his, um, I don't know what you want to call it, his transformation into, like, Dracula's manservant, basically. And then we saw the change, but there wasn't really an explanation for the change. Like, it, it was almost like, okay, he's a normal human being, and then all of a sudden he's under his control. And and there wasn't an explanation. They they tried to do some exposition, like you promised me this, and you know you're the master, and you know whatever you need, and all that kind of stuff. But it, the transformation happened like fast. I was surprised by that. I wish that we would have seen a little bit more of his sort of descent into uh, servitude, basically. I'll co-sign on that because it was just like they were swarming over him and then next thing you know they were on the boat and he's like yes I'll do anything you say master I just want the blood of the little creatures I don't want the human blood I'm like well why would you not okay I, I guess you know why why, why little creatures <laughs> right yeah I think at, at some point he you know he was able to I mean when he attacked him you know when he shooed the wise away and attacked him himself he probably, you know, probably drained just enough blood to keep him in thrall. And, you know, and it, and it probably, and it just, like, it acted like some kind of weird addiction. Because he was definitely, uh, he was definitely a lunatic by the time they got back to England. I know, right? Ain't that the truth. Uh, Renfield was played by Dwight Fry. And uh, let's talk about both of these characters together. Because they pretty much almost shared... Uh, all of their scenes together. We had uh, Dr. Seward, Herbert Bunston, and Van Helsing, played by Edward Van Sloan. What do you think of both of those characters? I thought they played off each other very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was very much um, entertained and, and, and really into what was going on. They definitely, um, what's what I'm looking for? I definitely gravitated towards them whenever they was in the scene. Yeah, I can agree with yeah. that. I, I thought Van Helsing had a um, like an intellectual charm to him. Like he was captivating to see in his scenes. The actor uh, Edward Van Sloan mm-hmm. was really good as Van Helsing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was Van Helsing. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Man. No, I was just saying I, I agree. Oh, I, I was just gonna say that Van Helsing to me. It's funny because since he is like the first screen, the first on-screen interpretation of Van Helsing, it just seemed like anything else after that was like highly campy, if I, I might, if, if I might say so. Um, he would just play the roles like, "Yeah, there are vampires. Let me show you." Mm-hmm. And he had an accent, but it just because he dealt with that type of stuff, it was just, it seemed plausible what i'm trying to say it's like you see the later mm-hmm. movies it just seems like van helsing gets this like chewing every scene in sight whenever he comes onto the screen i don't care who's playing him or any of the you know, iterations of him 
Peter Vincent from Fright Night and other movies. It just seemed mm. like they just like camp it up a little bit. And this guy was just playing it straight. Like, yeah, let me show y'all how this all works. And he just knew everything. He was so smooth with it. His um, charismatic nature kind of was the balance of Dracula's. You know, both yeah. good both had like this casual, casual, charismatic um, swag about him. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It was just, mm-hmm. you know, he knew what he was doing. He had to sit there and had to prove to anybody and do all these, like, raise his voice and just be like, listen to me. You have to understand that these. He was just like, let me just show y'all what time it is right here. You know, and they just bought it. You know what I'm saying? They was reluctant, but it was like, yo, we, we can't help but to believe him. Yeah, Seward and Van Helsing had great chemistry together, like, their scenes were electric, but Van Helsing and Dracula, like, their scenes were, like, lightning. They were really great together, the actors worked very well together. That scene where Dracula was going to try to mind control Van Helsing, and Van Helsing was like, nah, bitch, you know, you picked the wrong one. (laughs) You picked the wrong one. (laughs) I love that. Like, nah, bro, not me. <laughs> that was really, really good. Let's continue on with the characters. What did we think of John Harker, played by David Manners? Sort of like I... the, um, definitely he, the type that he was was sort of like leading man in like, you know, a, a drama. Unfortunately, he's not in a drama. He's in a horror movie, and the leading man is Count Dracula. But his type was very much sort of like Hollywood 1930s leading man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty. Um, it was pretty typical to me. I mean, I I thought it was all right. Yeah, basic. I enjoyed his. Um, I guess the the journey of his relationship with Mina. Um, but yeah, he he it was very. He was probably one of the most plain of the cast. But mm-hmm. I thought he did. Okay. I thought he did okay as well. Let's go to opposite of plane. Lucy Weston, played by Frances Dade. She was only in it for a teeny tiny amount, but I felt she made a bit of a lasting impression, especially since this is a film that was released in 1931, and she was dictimized by Dracula without mm-hmm. even, like, touching him, basically. <laughs> like, right. she was fiending for something. I don't care what iteration of Lucy I come across, whether it's from any of the, you know, movies or, hell, Dracula 2000. I just love her character for some reason. I just feel like she's, like, the bad girl to... I'm about to say, she's always a thought. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. is a thought, big time, bigly. Pretty much. And so she's just, like... And Amina was sitting there just like, oh, you were so into him. She's like, yeah, I am. Why? And? You know what I'm saying? And what? Proud about it. She's very proud. Oh, Lucy. That's too funny. And uh, before we get into like the actual plot, something that I want to discuss is the usage of what we now know of uh, like vampire lore like this is the first movie that really explored a lot of the tropes that you know still exist 
to this day the idea of like the mirrors with vampires the um the wolfbane although sort of like wolfbane slowly like transformed into garlic at some point um what else did we see in this um the cross yes the cross cross. sort of like the religious symbolism that uh you know vampires uh you know get repelled by what did we think of like seeing these tropes um well it wasn't for us the first time because you know obviously i would assume that before you saw this iteration of dracula you might have seen other ones but what's it like sort of like seeing that this was like the first iteration of a lot of these tropes you get to see that a lot of the movies that we've seen there's a tradition that has been carried mm-hmm. out through the years and it's kind of universal in any kind of um, horror movie or movie that deals with vampires. You're going to have the mirrors, you're going to have um, uh, the, the the cross, the not being able to go out in sunlight. You, you have those elements, whether it's Underworld, whether it's any of these other movies that have been made since then. So for me, um, it's refreshing just to see how these certain attributes have kind of went throughout the generations over the years. I'll be honest. Yeah, I love, I love seeing how this all, you know, getting a sense of where this all, it all began. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you said, especially with the standard weaknesses of the vampires that we see now. I mean, yes, it's definitely evolved over the years and changed and definitely uh, with special effects and things like that has made it a lot different, but it's, it's really cool to see how it all started. So it did. You know, watching this movie just never seemed... It never seemed dated to me. Oh. I was going to say, um, to be honest with y'all, when he was mentioning Wolfsbane, I was shocked because to be... I, I first heard of Wolfsbane. This shows you how I was really paying attention to watching Dracula when I was you know, watching it growing up. I first call myself here in the wolf Spain by watching the vampire diaries yes because they used a lot in this show and so like like jeff said um wolf Spain turned to garlic so mm-hmm. when they mentioned wolf Spain, i was like whoa wolf Spain been used in vampire lore that i said and but see anything else modern i've read of vampire literature they didn't say Wolfsbane. They always would say like garlic or it would be some new spin on how to repel um, vampires or whatnot. If it wasn't garlic, mm-hmm. it was um, something else. It wasn't Wolfsbane. It was something else. Rose, was it, was roses used to repel garlic? About repel vampires at one time or something? Or I can't remember. All I know is, is that that was a shock to me seeing Wolfsbane. But yeah, I was like this was the movie that set up a lot of the tropes, which was severely lacking in um, Nosferatu. Yeah, I agree with mm-hmm. all the points that all of you have made. Really great points. And um, as someone who is seeing this film for the very first time, something that's kind of funny, and I wish that I had seen this first, but I had seen the Leslie Nielsen parody film, Dracula, Dead and Loving It, and watching this now, even though I haven't seen Dracula Dead and Loving It in ages, like seeing what they parodied was like really funny to watch. Like Renfield and, and like 
a lot of like they directly parodied stuff from this version of Dracula in that Leslie Nielsen movie and, and I was like wow like now I need to go and see that so I can laugh at like what they parodied mm-hmm. so moving on to the actual plot of uh, the movie it's funny that um, like the same week that we are dropping uh, Nosferatu uh, as uh, our horror hotel film discussion we are also dropping dracula and uh, they're both interpretations of the uh, bram stoker novel although nosferatu was an unauthorized one and this one is an authorized one so a lot of the story was similar but you could kind of see where they sort of cheaped out over on Nosferatu because they couldn't use mm-hmm. some of these elements and now to see it here in Dracula and like to see like the the real iteration of the novel was very neat to see so let's talk about Renfield's like journey to the castle so you know he's looking for Dracula's castle he's in transylvania and of course the Mm -hmm. villagers are like you know no you don't want to go there you shouldn't go there but he's like i have to and so he ends up going to the castle he's meeting a coach at midnight and so he gets dropped off and then this mysterious driver who doesn't speak just points and stuff like that you know directs him into the uh horse and buggy the the carriage and um i asked this question during nosferatu and i'm going to ask it again here at what point do you start noticing things aren't normal and do you start freaking out is it when the townspeople tell you not to go? Is it when you're supposed to be meeting somebody at midnight? Is it when you look outside your coach and you see a bat flying and it seems like they're driving the coach? <laughs> okay, so right. first thing, when, you know, this, I love this question. First of all, when these, when he said when he was trying to go up to the castle and these people looked at him was like he was just stupid. Are you crazy? You can't go there. That would that would have set up some red flags, but what would have really did it for me? Not so much the midnight because I don't been in the streets that late night. That but I digress. Um, what would have did it for me was I'm on this coach, and I got this mysterious driver, and this fool can't talk. Why you can't talk? What's wrong with you? Who hired you? Where you come from? You just pointing. No, that had been a problem for me. So for me, <laughs> that's what I'm like. You know what? I think I need to take my ass back home because something wrong with this driver. <laughs> that's right too there. funny. I think for me, it would have been when the coach um, that he was traveling on. I was shocked they actually went up that mountain. If they sat there said, I'm not going up there. I'm not going up that mountain. I am not going up that mountain. I'm not. He, okay, I guess I'll take you. He got up there, and dude got off. Um, Renfield, got, Renfield got off, and then the dude threw his bag at him. Like, no, boom, bye. I'm out. <laughs> right. That should have been a red flag there. 
and even back to the townspeople, they had to do it in octaves. The guy was like, <laughs> you know, well, the guy, he doesn't feel too good about going up the mountain because it can be a little dark and everything like that. But I have to go. Well, Sarah, you really don't need to go up there. This kind of like, just, just spend the night, go in the morning. But I have to go. Look, we are telling you, it right. is a, people have disappeared up there. And here's this woman that gave you a rosary. It's just like, what do you, I mean, like, that's, they gave you, like, they were slapping you in your face almost. Mm-hmm. But now, for me, I think I did a tuck and roll when I saw there was a bad drive damn um, buggy. I'm like, oh no. Where he go? <laughs> Where did he disappear out to? I didn't hear no thud. I didn't hear him fall off anything like that. Where did he go? Right, right. Okay, I like your answers. So my next question is, so you arrive at the castle. When do you notice something's off with Dracula? Is it when your luggage has disappeared? Is it when you see him phase through a spider web? Or is it... (laughs) Or is it when he becomes obsessed with your paper cut? Oh, baby, listen. That paper cut, baby, that paper That was a deep-ass cut. Like, in Nosferatu, it made sense because he was, like, slicing something with a knife. Like, he practically hit bone with that paper. What kind of paper is that? Listen, the look on Dracula's Mm. face, when he saw the blood on that finger, you'd have thought he was going to have an orgasm. It was like he had immediately, like, he just got too excited when he saw that blood. Of course, we know vampires like blood. But how his entire demeanor changed, how he got so excited at the blood. No, that would have been a problem. Like, why you look, like, what are you so obsessed with my finger for? And then when when he saw the dude pull out the, um, the cross and his whole demeanor immediately changed. Oh, that was everything. Mm. I love that part. For me, I think oh, it was for me. Probably... What, what... Sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> when he phased, when he phased through the through the spider web, I was looking like, uh, no, no. What's what's all that? What's going on here? <laughs> I thought we didn't even question it. I'm like, you're using your cane to, like, take the spider. Like, that didn't grow in, like, 30 seconds. Exactly. (laughs) And in the five seconds between the time he passed up there and you got up there, there was no new spider web that fun. It's like, dude, no. Right. For me, the fact that I hate spiders, I want to put that out there right now. Any movie that we watch from here forward, I have arachnophobia. So... Me coming to meet this count, and he's a count. He stays in the castle, which means I'm thinking his place is going to be real nice, you know, spot in there, spotless and everything, you know, service all over the place. I walk in, it's the crib, and there is this big-ass spider web sitting there. That's what I'd have been like, sir, I can't go no further. I'm sorry. I'm done. Where, where is your staff? What is going on here? Because that house was dirty as hell. Well, no. See, the, the funny thing is, like, I could have somewhat understood the decrepitness of it because it's an old castle. But my whole thing would have been like, why do you have a possum in your living room? <laughs> or an armadillo, whatever the hell that was. Right, you got Shitter. armadillos walking through here? No. No, <laughs> But not only just that, like, I have, like, if it's not my own residence, I can't walk up in there and we ain't got no lights on. You ain't pay your light bill? Like, it was just, but you know, you got the spider webs, you got stuff knocked over, it look older. It is dark as hell. For me, I need a light switch. We need some lights up in here. This house is too big. I don't know what the hell is up in here besides you. 
No, for me, that would have did it. That's too much. What do we think of the usage of animals in the movie? Because we saw a lot of bugs. Uh, we saw what? like real-life bugs. Uh, there was a fake spider at one point, but that was kind of cute. Um, there was the possum. There were armadillos, wolves. Yeah, rat. uh, yeah rats. What do we think of the usage of animals, like real-life animals in the movie? Filthy. Just filthy. Just <laughs> yeah. I mean it was I thought it was appropriately gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I also liked how decrepit the castle was, especially since nowadays, you know, films try to sex up vampires and they're usually in like very luxurious type of locations and that whole thing so to see like a vampire seem very creepy like Mm -hmm. i thought that was uh like very cool to see yeah it was a nice throwback so let's talk about the set of uh the castle uh, we'll, we'll talk about the sets in general, but since we're in the castle right now, let's talk about the castle. I thought the set was beautiful, like the mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. with all of the cobwebs, like that whole that staircase and corridor was really nice, and uh, the room that Renfield had, I thought that was beautiful. It was like mm-hmm. gothic and Victorian, and you know, I mean, it was just amazing. Yeah, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. I think that's one of the things that makes, for me, I'm gonna get myself that makes Dracula a classic. Um, I just feel like the setting and the scenery and every scene was just set up so well, and for this to be um, in the 1930s, I thought it kind of was a good representation of the time. Not too extra, not too fancy, but just very, um, very unique, very beautiful, very plain, um, very vintage. I, I, I appreciate it. I liked it. Yeah, I loved it. I, I thought the sets were very well used. Uh, it, it was all, I mean, all the scenes. All the settings and things for the scenes throughout the movie were really, really well set up for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once they got past the spider web, I was cool. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's too okay. funny. It's cute, you know. Oh, Lord. I like it. Okay, so my final question while we're inside the castle. So, you done seen all this shit. You're still cool and calm and collected. Dracula offers you some wine. Do you accept it? Especially after you ask him, oh, you're not going to have some yourself? And he's like, no, I don't drink wine. (laughs) Bitch, you can't serve me no water. (laughs) That was such such a pregnant pause. I was like, uh, really? (laughs) Something ain't right. I don't even want your water. You know, I'm good. Uh-uh, I want your wine. I want nothing. What you mean? You trying to? You want to serve me something? You don't drink it out. Why you got this shit in your house and you don't drink it? No, I don't want none of that. 
I'm not thirsty. <laughs> I wouldn't have ate anything out of that. I'm like, you have armadillos and possums and, oh, yeah, and stuff nasty. walking around, which means there might be roaches. No, I'm good. <laughs> 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 That's too funny. Oh, I love it. Never mind the possums and the rats and things. That might be roaches. I know, right? <laughs> no, we don't do them. <laughs> That's too funny. So, moving along with the plot. So, Dracula's plan is to leave Transylvania and uh, to set up residence in London. He actually has... It, it's a bigger plot. And uh, we'll discuss sort of like the intricacies of the plot a little bit later. But um, so they're on a ship and uh, everyone is murdered by Dracula. And Renfield gets captured by the police. (laughs) Can I just say... When they open the, um, like, what do you call that in, in the ship? The hold? Yes, when they open it and, like, he looks, like, batshit crazy. <laughs> like, he's about to murder everybody. Like, that was uh-huh. creepy as fuck. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love, that was a great scene. Because yeah. he clearly had descended into madness potay. He really did. <laughs> At that moment, though, I was like, I didn't know what was going to happen. So I was like, why are they going to let him get captured? Like, why don't they make him seem like the victim? But then obviously, I mean, you know, this is part of the plot. You know, he needed to be where they sent him. And they sent him to basically the insane asylum. And that's where we meet uh, Dr. Seward. And uh, we learn that... Dracula had purchased a home that's like basically on the same property as Dr. Seward's sanitarium sanitarium in London. So um yeah, and there's a, I love that moment in the opera where Dracula is basically setting his plan into motion. I thought, well, to be quite honest, like, that entire scene of, like, him on his way to the opera, where that poor little flower girl... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She, you know, <laughs> she couldn't stop looking into his eyes. Mm-mm. She was trapped, Jose. Yeah, poor flower girl. So, rest in peace. And, um, that entire plot in the opera was, like, brilliant. Like, he used his mind control to, um, you know, to basically, you know, tell um, the, uh, I don't know what you would call her, like, the, the, uh, a page or something, I guess. Oh, the usher? The usher, usherette or whatever, to, like, tell the usher to go and tell Dr. Seward to step away so that he could introduce himself and like I thought that was really brilliant and very smooth and then that's where Lucy uh, gets moist (laughs) right exactly on sight yeah 
pretty much. I was surprised at how fast Lucy was out of the picture. Although, if you think about it, the movie is only like an hour and 14 minutes. So, I mean, you have to move the plot uh, I mean, pretty quickly. But, uh, like, Lucy was out. Like, she had two scenes and she was done. <laughs> right. Yeah. Her panties dropped, she got killed, and that was it. Yeah. What do we think of the bats in uh, the movie? Because the bats were obviously not real. Uh, but I thought that, <laughs> you know, as kind of hokey as they looked, like I thought it was kind of neat, to be quite honest. I didn't think they were that bad. And I know that we're all used to like CGI stuff. And sometimes right. the CGI can be so distracting. Like, I thought the use of, like, the practical effect of basically a, a bat on wires, you know, and them, you know, tugging the wire up and down, I, I thought that was <laughs> a little bit more, for lack of a better word, realistic. Yeah, I liked it because it really, it really didn't seem fake. It really seemed, you couldn't tell me that I wasn't watching a real bat flying around and do what it do. Like, I... I love the way it, it, they did that. They I love the usage that and how they implemented that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I thought it was I thought it was hokey, but I but it, I didn't mind. I didn't mind it. Yeah, I didn't either. You know, going back to what we said for Nasarato, you know, take it, you know, take yourself out the modern world and put it back then. Mm. That was probably hot back then. They was like, oh my god, it's a bad and. As also, just like we stated earlier in the show, you know, it kind of set up that trope, you know, with vampires and bats and stuff like that, and they go hand in hand, and yeah. I was like, you know, it, the fact that he was the only vampire in town, which means that it was not just a lot of them, it was just him, so you knew it was a cue for him and whatnot, so. And like that it wasn't overdone. Exactly. They didn't do it too much, just to know. Yeah, I agree with all of you. And uh, the plot moved very fast because, at least for me, I was surprised at how fast, like, he was outed as a vampire. Mm-hmm. I thought that yeah, was... Yeah, kind of... Uh, yeah, it just came it out moved, of nowhere. It moved pretty fast. Yeah, a lot of movies nowadays sort of drag stuff like that out, so I thought that was kind of neat that all of a sudden we have a face-off between uh, Van Helsing and Dracula and we still had like, I don't know, 15 to 20 minutes left of the movie. Right. Yeah. Alright, so Mina at one point uh, gets bitten by Dracula and uh, there's this whole discussion of like, can we save her? And you know, well, if she dies in the day, yes. But if she, if you know, she passes at night, no. And you know, we, we need to like barricade her room and you know, put wolfsbane all over the place and you know, get the cross ready and all this kind of stuff. And then we see her, you know, like dressed up, like ready to go, and she seems all fine and dandy. Now, obviously, some of you are seeing this movie again, but sort of, like, get into the mindset of, like, the first time that you watched it. Were you buying it? Like, did you think she was fine, or did you have the feeling that, uh, you know, something was off with Mina? 
at first I thought she was normal, but I was like, well, wait a minute. How the hell did she become normal so fast? Like, wait a minute, something ain't right. But part of me, it is the, as the dialogue continued between her and John, I'm like, oh, wow, this shit is back to normal. This is so weird. But then I think it was the moment when I think she stared off for a little bit or something she did. That's when I'm like, oh, no, this bitch faking. She's still under his little spell. But that entire scene, that entire exchange, um, that was probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I knew she wasn't. I knew she wasn't okay because when we first meet up with Mia and Lucy, she was making fun of Dracula. You know, it's like his little accent and stuff like that. But then when she kept trying to defend him or just defend like oh, what the hell she's saying doesn't make any sense and. All this and whatnot. I'm like, yeah, she's still enthralled, you know, whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't. Uh, I didn't. I, I knew something wasn't right. I mean, just from uh, from a historical spec- perspective of, of all the movies I'd seen before. But uh, even having seen this for the first time, I definitely had a sense that nah, she's uh, she gone. Yeah, I think it was uh, very suspicious when she specifically mentioned, you know, I took off, you know, all that wolf's bane and I, you know, that stuff doesn't work and all that kind of stuff. Like, I was like, oh, something is very suspicious here. So the film culminates with uh, the climax at uh, Dracula's new home. He has uh, taken Mina with him, uh, I'm assuming to make her one of his brides. And uh, Renfield ends up dying. And uh, Dracula ends up dying as well. Van Helsing uh, kills him. And then that, I guess, um, breaks the spell that Mina had. Um, Uh. It wasn't really explained. Because it wasn't really explained if she was also going to be a vampire because at one point it seemed like she was looking at um at uh um john harker's neck but Mm -hmm. but they never really explored that anymore but then all of a sudden once dracula died it seemed as if she was okay and so the movie ends in a very weird way, and I don't know if it was weird for either of you, but, like, Van Helsing is basically like, oh, you two need to leave, blah, 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 and they're like, well, aren't you going to come with us? And he's like, no, I've got stuff to do. And then we see them, like, leaving Dracula's <laughs> home. And then right. that's it. It was a it was wrapped up way better than Nosferatu was. I'm not, I probably shouldn't be comparing these two, but I... I mean, well, no, you I should, remember. yeah. Okay, uh, but it seemed like they, it was wrapped up way better. They had, like, a little... Was the studio had the code by the end, Jeff? No, um, this one uh, was up? before okay. the code. Yeah, that's why I think Renfield could die. Um, yeah. Renfield died mm-hmm. because it was pre-code. Once the Hayes Code was in effect um there was this the Hayes code is interesting if if you all want an interesting read sort of like about 
just like earl the early rating system the haze code was very weird it was like only villains could die and uh that the death had to sort of be justified you can't do Mm -hmm. suicides uh like there were a lot of like weird weird sort of like stipulations with the haze morality code it's yeah Mm -hmm. it's very weird but this is a pre-code film yeah, because I was saying, like, okay, there was two loose threads. One of you already mentioned, and the other one was Lucy was still walking around biting kids. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, right. It happened to her. Exactly. You know? So, yeah. And there were I'm also the other that. brides. Exactly. Yeah. Right. right. We have what happened to the brides. And, and I was like, you know, did, you know, did the flower girl not turn or you know i guess that just had so many that brought so many things as far as modern vampire stories and things like that it was like okay well you know why didn't the flower why didn't the flower girl turn or what happened with her you know he he just she just died and so yeah it was like a lot of weird like little points there and why were children in the middle of the woods late at night just waiting to get bit (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that, was, yeah, that, that was that <laughs> yeah that was weird that, that whole interlude was odd and then they're reading the news report children are getting bitten at woods I'm like well that's <laughs> well, what happens that, yeah. <laughs> right yeah I thought it was neat that they actually killed Dracula like, that was unexpected for me as someone who had never seen the film. I guess you kind of expect that Dracula's going to die, but because this is such an iconic film and uh, and there were other Dracula films, right? That are, um, yeah. That are part of the Universal sort of series? Mm-hmm. Or am I mistaken? Or is that just Frankenstein yeah. that had, you know, Frankenstein? No, they had a Dracula movie. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, yeah, so it was surprising that Dracula's, they killed him off. Well, Dracula's yeah. daughter, then I think son of Dracula, and then something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah, Dracula appears in a, a number of those, those Universal films. Yeah, because Van Helsing had a movie too. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting, and it, you know, it, once again, another vampire trope—the the stake to the heart. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And even though we didn't get to see it, we heard it. Yes. That was intense. Yeah, I've always I always found it interesting that when he Dracula would appear in those subsequent movies, they never really explain, you know, how he's back. You know, you just kinda go with it. Yeah, why not? So I know that I already mentioned it, but did anybody else think it was weird that Van Helsing was like, I'm going to stick around. I've got <laughs> yeah. stuff to do. <laughs> You're not going to yeah, leave with us? Like, no. odd. <laughs> you know, I'll... Very I'll, odd. I still have things to do down here. Like, that was just... That was weird. <laughs> it was very weird. So, uh... Any other little bits of the story that I might have missed that you all want to discuss? Uh, 
the fact that Renfield kept getting out, I was like, they need to fire whoever's supposed to be over <laughs> yeah. here. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. like again, like no, you need to no, your job is on the line, sir. For real, for real. <laughs> right. For real. Security? What is your security? <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. All right, let's check in on some awards that uh, 1931's Dracula has won, has been awarded. It doesn't have any official awards of the time, but it has been awarded uh, since then in various different ways. Uh, First up, it was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. And uh, it consistently ranks high on uh, the AFI's sort of list. You know, it was uh, number 85 on AFI's 100 Years, 100 Thrills. Count Dracula was the number 33 villain in AFI's 100 Years, 100 Heroes and Villains. And in AFI's 100 Years, 100 Movie Quotes, the quote from Count Dracula, Listen to them, children of the night, what music they make, was ranked as number 83. And of course, Bela Lugosi's role of Dracula has become a cultural icon. So... Before we give out our awards, let's actually check in on the Rotten Tomatoes Fresh Meter. And this film is certified 91% fresh. Nice. Yeah. So let's. I know, right? So. Oh, you thought it would be higher? Well, yeah, you know what? I, I could agree. It should be maybe a little bit higher. But 91, I think, is still pretty decent. So now it's time to give out some of our own awards, and let's start off with uh, The Kill of the Night. For me, it'll be Lucy. Oh, okay. I'm going to give it to the Flower Girl, because we saw a little bit more. Mm. The flower girl, yeah, yeah. I say the flower girl too. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go with Lucy. Who was the scream queen? Renfield. Ooh, mm. Renfield. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. Great answer. That's too funny. Um. What was the creepiest moment? And I'm going to say Dracula looking into your eyes. Yeah, all those scenes where they did the the whole shot, you know, where you just see his eyes and everything else is dark. I've I've always loved those scenes. Uh Those shots are always great to me. Yeah. What was the shadiest moment? When he tried to um put what some call it but with Van Helsing under his um little trans and Van Helsing was basically like no man I won't get yeah. in. <laughs> was yeah. that was that also the read of the night? 
Who is that? The, was, <laughs> the read of the night too. <laughs> had to be. Uh, yes, I have to say yes. That's too funny. Yeah, he's like, uh, like no ma'am, no ma'am, ma'am. Well, there you go. <laughs> I haven't heard that phrase so long. Yes, <laughs> no ma'am, ma'am. <laughs> I'm gonna award the that's so retro moment to the ship. Because I feel like any time we see an old movie, <laughs> the ship, like that looked like a little tugboat in someone's uh, filled up bathtub, splish splashing around. Yeah. Oh, I would have to agree. That yeah. always cracks me up. It's funny. <laughs> but you know, I mean, what can you do? Uh, what about the best usage of a cheesy special effect? The bed. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. The, yeah. The bed. The bed. Yeah. <laughs> I will co-sign that, but I want to award it to the little spider that we saw for like ten seconds in the castle. Yeah, that's like, yeah. Okay, I'll give you that. Now the spider, because it was fake. After okay, I can rock with that. However, <laughs> just let's keep it fake. <laughs> yes. I know that's right. Oh. Who was the diva? Dracula. Okay, yes. That is the right answer. And who was the ingenue? Uh, I can. Go ahead, Mark. Go ahead, Legionnaire. Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I think I'm going to rock with Mina. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, too. But I can see Lucy. It's just something about her character. I don't care who plays this character. They come in, they come in, and they just be like, "I'm here for these three or four scenes, and I'm out." You know. <laughs> well, I was gonna give the and... feminist icon to Lucy. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why not? All right. So now it's time to rank the film in special horror hotel categories we have screamer which is for scare filled films we have the gut buster for films that are extremely gross we have eye popper for films that are visually impressive we have the grave digger for films that lack scares and we have the mind blower for overall best in show. So what category or categories would you use to classify 1931's Dracula? We will start off with Mark. Oh, I hate saying this. I'm going to give it an eye popper, but a grave digger. I hate doing that because as much as I've seen the movie, it still it chills me, but it didn't sit there and make me want to like scream out loud when something happened. You know, it's still watchable, it's rewatchable, but it's just like, you know, you know what's going to go down. You're not going to be like having nightmares and crap. So I popper and grave digger because I wasn't really that scared. What about you, Ramona? I'm gonna give an eye popper. I'm gonna give an eye popper. Um, I just feel like Dracula is one of those classics uh, from the 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 icon who plays Dracula to uh, some of my other favorite parts. 
some of the traditional aspects like the cross and, and things like that. Um, I just love so many elements about it. So, yeah, I'm going to say Eye Popper. All right. I'm going to throw in a curveball, and I'm going to agree with Eye Popper. I think it's just a visually gorgeous film. It's like a feast for the eyes. I can co-sign with Gravedigger just because, I mean, if we're going to be honest, I didn't find it scary either. I can, once again, put on the mindset of someone from 1931 and seeing this in a theater for the first time, it, it could be scary, but unfortunately, you know, I live in 2017 and uh, sort of like the horror elements have increased and the scare factor has increased so much that I just, I can't call this film scary. But I'm also going to throw in Mind Blower because I feel like this is one of those films that's just overall best in show. I mean, it's just so iconic and uh, legendary and it's created such an incredible legacy especially if you just consider the uh, universal studios monster universe that uh, i just have to give it a mind blower as well what about you legionnaire mm. yeah i i give it a straight uh a straight uh eye popper i mean i thought the you know, even all these years later, the movie still looks really, really good. Um, even though it didn't provide me with scares, you know, I, I always take these things serious enough where I will, you know, turn on all the lights and watch these movies in the dark so that I could at least get as much of an effect from it as I can. And having those scenes pop up, you know, where they give you the eyes, it, it's still... I mean, all these years later, it still gives you bills. I like it. All right, let's rate the film. And since we are in the horror hotel, we are rating the film on a hotel room key scale from 1 to 10. The point system is allowed. And uh, we're going to start off with Ramon. You know, I think this movie is, as I said a few times before, um, I think it's a classic. I think it set the precedence. Um, for a lot of other movies, when you think of Dracula, you know, without Dracula, I don't think there would be the Underworld movies. I don't think it would have been Vampire in Brooklyn um, and just some other movies that I think of. Um, visually, I thought it was very well done, very beautifully done. Um, the costumes, just everything about it, usage of the props, the setting. So for me... I'm going to give it seven room keys. Legionnaire, what about you? How many room keys, uh, hotel room keys, will you uh, use to rate this film? Um, for me, I'm going to give it eight room keys. Um, this was definitely, you know, a movie I'm glad I got to sit down and watch all the way through. I mean, I liked it. But I've seen it before and appreciated it as a classic, but I think being able to watch it all the way through gave me a full appreciation of it. And I will definitely, um, definitely something that I would watch again. Mark, what about you? How many hotel room keys will you give 1931's Dracula? Nine hotel room keys. I mean, this Dracula. I love this movie. Um, I it just 
like you know, like everybody else said, it set the precedent. You know what I'm saying? It's it is the Bible of most vampire movies today, vampire literature, vampire TV shows and whatnot. It just sets the tone for what we have today. And Bela Lugosi is just iconic. Um, he's there's no other, and he can't nobody match him. They try, but they can't. It's like you cannot stop trying. So yeah, I give it a nine. Nine, nine hotel kings. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to give this film ten hotel room keys. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It's iconic, it's legendary, it uh, set the standard for vampire lore. As all of you sort of mentioned, uh, you know, vampires today, sort of like, oh, uh, Dracula. You know, all of these uh, films and television shows out there that feature vampires are all um, in debt to 1931's Dracula more so than uh, Nosferatu because I feel like this film got it right and uh, yeah I mean it's just it's legendary like and it's visually stunning I thought the story was really good I mean sure there were a couple of uh, like little plot points that were kind of like huh but for a movie made in 1931 I think it's pretty damn excellent. So, um, 10 hotel room keys for me. So on that note, please drag your bodies away from the ballroom and prepare to check out. Join us next time for a brand new installment of Horror Hotel. Once again, here's one of our bellhops with a few special announcements. Good evening. We thank you for your patronage. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash p-c-r horror hotel. Follow Panpichulo Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube, at Panpichulo Radio. For more information on Horror Hotel, visit panpichuloradio.com slash horror hotel. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at punpichuloradio.com. Help support Punpichulo Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash punpichuloradio. Are you interested in joining the Punpichulo Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at punpichuloradio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Punpichulo Radio programs by visiting punpichuloradio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through iTunes. Just search for Panpichulo Radio's Horror Hotel and subscribe. We hope you've brought your death certificate. Make final arrangements now. <laughs> Thank you, my fellow Horror Hotel team. Please wish our hotel guests and the listeners a good night. Good night, listeners. Be safe at the bed bugs, Spikes. <laughs> Until next time, take care. We do not have bed bugs at the Horror Hotel. We have other things <laughs> you should worry about. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks for tuning in. You may have checked into the Horror Hotel, but who says you're allowed to check out? Good night.